it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Mets fans, welcome back to Today Your Love, Tomorrow the World Series. My name is Brian. Sitting in for my friend Chris McShane this week is another friend, uh, Amazing Avenue. Uh, are we calling you an alum? Is, is that the best way to put it? Or that probably yeah, feels yeah. about right. Yeah, I mean, it was like it was like a strong maybe six or seven months that I actually wrote. <laughs> uh, but but also, but you also can't get rid of me. I'm in the walls. A, I'm in the walls. A, a son of New Jersey, and therefore a friend of mine, Jack McLoon. Hello, Jack. Hello. Always. Thanks for having me. My uh, my my goal in life is to be a professional podcast. Oh guest. yeah, this, this does really absolutely. Uh, I will I will see what I can do to get you uh, spots on other shows. I, I'll be your I'll be your manager. That's my goal in life: be a manager of a professional podcast guest. Uh, <laughs> I don't want my own podcast. There are too many okay. of them. I'm just willing to come on. <laughs> uh, if you're out there listening, you need a <laughs> podcast guest to talk about baseball or music, or you, I'll talk about or, whatever you uh, want. I'll make it union happen. negotiations. Jack is the guy to have on your show yeah. uh well jack the last time that i recorded this show with chris was uh right before the series in colorado and so the mets uh went to coors field and they did not look so great however the fix for all things mets seems to be the phillies right now and so the phillies came to town and the mets yeah. look we're recording this in the in between the seventh and eighth innings of wednesday a uh, thursday's day game rather um so Generally, you know, I like to start with a vibe check. How are you feeling about the Mets uh, at this point in the season? I generally see saw between just completely upset about everything and they're winning the World Series and we're closer towards the winning the World <laughs> Series side currently in my brain. Um, 
they they the way that they like improve game to game is always in a very exciting fashion. There's never they very rarely this season have had a game where they won. It was like that was fine. Like maybe last night it was like okay whatever they won, but it's always like oh like Kobe Sanga struck out eight people and whatever, or they scored you know ten right. runs or whatever. <laughs> like, so it's very it's very easy for me to get caught up in the way that they are exciting. Uh, but no, the vibes are currently better. I think beating up on the Phillies always feels good. Um, and it's kind of easy to hand wave away weird games in Chicago and Colorado. And like, yeah, right, yeah that, fine, they're good. Everything's those fine. are two ballparks that are, I think are are pretty easy to, uh, to, like you say, wave away or, or at least to to contextualize. Right? That okay, this is just what happens sometimes yeah. in those ballparks. Um, but I, I do want to talk about Colorado a little bit because a couple of things happened there that I think are worth talking about. Uh, the first is uh, Max Scherzer had an excellent start in Colorado. And uh, yeah. he had an excellent start today. Went seven innings both times. Um, I know that Scherzer is not young. Um, I say that as somebody almost two years older than him. But, you know, it's it, it's a very different. Uh, <laughs> I think we feel very different about Scherzer now than we did a couple of starts ago. Are, are, are you feeling like Keith Hernandez said today in the broadcast that he is just getting warmed up now and that this is the Scherzer that we can expect for this season? Or do you feel like this is maybe the uh, we're just getting a good stretch, but we should we should not necessarily count our Scherzer chickens just yet. <laughs> I well, I think with him, it's and the way that it is with obviously older pitchers in general um, is a health thing. I think he's just finally healthy. I think he was maybe more hurt than he let on, which is interesting for somebody who was famous for really mm-hmm. knowing his body well. Um, but maybe you know, end of last year and then into this year. I'm wondering maybe he doesn't know it as well as he used to, and he was trying to pitch through more stuff than he was capable of now. Um, and I think, you know, that time he spent, I, frankly, the 10-day suspension that turned into, it was, I think it ended up being like 13 mm-hmm. or 14 because of rainouts, probably did him a lot of good, it seems like. I think he, I think the neck or whatever it was was bothering him more than he was letting on or more than he was like letting himself be That's an interesting of. question. And so I think yeah. this is possible. I'm interested if it was he doesn't know his body as well as he maybe once did, or if he felt like we lost enough of our starting pitchers that we, I can't go down also, right? That, that sense of sort of putting the team yeah. on his back and not wanting to uh, to let the team down. I could certainly see that being the case also. Yeah, it could be like a column A, column B thing too. He's like, you know, I've had this specific, I think he even says, like, I've had this problem before mm-hmm. and I've pitched through it. And I just maybe he doesn't know that he can't right. pitch through it anymore. But but and the reason he was even trying was because the rotation had been struggling so much and not going deep into games, and the bullpen was taxed. Yeah. And they were also losing, and he just felt like you said that all that pressure of being yeah. the guy. And I, I think he's somebody who likes being the guy, but but yes, yeah. oh absolutely, yes, yeah, oh, absolutely. But at a certain point, you have to just you know maybe put that aside for now. Um, so the game is obviously still going on as we're recording. He will probably be recording up through the end of the game. But the Mets have not lost this season when their starting pitching has gone six innings. And I brought this up, I think, when I was talking with Chris last week or one of the daily podcasts. I can't remember which one now. But that seems like an unsustainable number just because in a regular baseball season, your starters go six with some frequency. But this year, but this year it's right. been so infrequent that you can – you can sort of still say that uh, on June 1st, and and it's a bit of an amazing statistic. 
But it does show that, you know, maybe the issues that were going on with the starting pitching are starting to work themselves out a little bit. Um, yeah, it was definitely some, excuse me, some small sample magic. Like what, this will be 16, I think, or maybe 17. It's not yes, out agreed. of teens, certainly. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I think you said, like most teams are having their starters go. At yeah, least at least at least six, you know, some of the time. And, and with with being behind in games, too, it's just so how somehow happened that the Mets, whenever right. they are, whenever a pitcher is going long, they happen to be in the lead as well. Right, because every time they're pulling guys in the fourth or fifth, it's rarely because of injury. It's because right, they're just exactly. bad. Yes. <laughs> they, they haven't had a lot of like guys going six innings and not getting right, a quality exactly, start. Yes, but also that to me that is also a good sign of things to come, and hopefully an optimistic thing because mm-hmm. you would hope that perhaps if if this trend continues, and I, I recognize the big if in that uh, in that statement, mm-hmm. but. With Scherzer seemingly writing himself, with Verlander being who he is, with Senga having a couple of good starts now to build off of, you get the sense that these pitchers, even if they're not winning every game, but they're going into the sixth, that these pitchers are going to keep you in the game. Because for the first half of the season, it just felt like every Mets game was a total roll of the dice of whether or not the team was going to be even competitive that day. Just a total crapshoot all the time. So just, and you could find out right away too. It was always they're getting slammed yep. in the first mm-hmm. inning, which was so frustrating because it and that was that leads to all of these starters not making it to the sixth because they were having thirty pitch first innings where they given up three yeah. runs and then the offense would come out and go Ooh, one yes. two, three. <laughs> it just happened every yes. single game. So it is it is very nice to see that trend maybe begin to reverse itself a little bit and with that and this is what we've been talking about a lot as as just Mets Twitter Mets fandom whatever is this idea of the Mets being able to take the throttle off their bullpen a little bit because their bullpen was so overworked early in the season and so like right now Jeff Brigham's in the game and Brigham's been okay I know he had a couple of appearances that maybe weren't quite as good but he has been pretty good so far but you get the sense that all these guys are doing this balancing act where they're still looking pretty good, but any day now they're going to, they're going to implode. But if you can limit their innings to like half of what they were throwing in April and May, then maybe you can delay those implosions a little bit down the road. Yeah. One of the funnier things I'd have to actually look at, but it feels anecdotally in my head that for all the time, the bullpens were getting used, like at least out of and David Robertson weren't getting overused right, too much right, for yes. most of that stretch. <laughs> So these are your, your most important back end arms. I mean, Adovino threw a bunch, and I know there was that stretch where they both threw, I think, four times in five. By the end of it, they both yeah. looked kind of cooked. But, yeah, no, taking the pressure off of your middle guys, not seeing as much Tommy Hunter uh, <laughs> is good for just the health of the team, but then also just uh, the health of the tandem <laughs> and not yes. watching uh, the the DFAable reliever of the day come in in a one-run like yes. game. Because you yeah. have nobody else to throw. Uh, I'm glad that that experiment's over too. Although I will somewhat stand up for our boy Tommy Hunter. Uh, I love Tommy Hunter as a person. I would love if he was like the pitching coach. <laughs> the headline tomorrow is Jack hates uh, Jeremy Hefner now because you're trying to get him fired. So no, uh, Tommy Hunter. To me, Tommy Hunter would be the ideal ex-ball player to be the Steve Gelbs on a broadcast. He just seems like the guy who would love oh, yeah. to eat the weird sandwich at every ballpark and like 
talk to the guys <laughs> making the, uh, the the cup snake. Like he just seems like he'd be up for that for that job. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he seems like a very good vibe. Uh, his quotes in the uh, the athletic article about Buck Showalter's uh, stats mm-hmm. were very good. Yeah, no, he's I I love him as a person. I would like for him to never pitch a <laughs> New York Mets ever again. <laughs> For numerous reasons. One, it's just it's never a good thing because they have to call on Tommy Hunter because they're losing by five. And then also, like, he's off to men. It's done. Yeah. They're down seven. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I'm I, I'm still going to gonna call this some slanderous talk, but that's okay. Well, let's, let's move on uh, for a moment here. <laughs> we talked about the starting pitching maybe sort of starting to fix itself. You know, Senga had maybe his best start uh, as a Met the other night against the Phillies. Senga. Yeah, it's up there. That one or the Rays one. I mean, the best. The last two home yeah. Um, what do you see as the way to keep Senga pitching like that and not like the starts on the road? <laughs> um, <laughs> pretty buck I'd ask that. He's like, if someone has an answer, uh, please tell me because I don't know either. Um, it's hard to pin down what it could be. I mean, I guess it's just routines, probably. I don't know how you fix that on the road. Um, where it's just, I guess, whatever he's doing at home because he's, you know, it's a shorter trip, but whatever it is, it's just been easier. I mean, it's a small sample on either side of it, so it's hard to really take anything too much away from it. But at the same time, it's a glaring yeah. difference. I wonder if, and I know it's 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 impossible to do this all the time, but I wonder if sending him ahead of the team every time he starts would be something that would yeah. uh, begin to help the process. Or maybe, you know, reworking the rotation so he gets an extra day of rest more frequently than not because that seems to help him as well. I and mean, that's just a that's a that's a Japanese pitcher thing, right? They're used to pitching. Left. Yeah, I think they said. Yeah, I don't think he's pitched on four days rest yet. Um, so they're doing it, but I wonder if they could even be pushing it because I know the six day one he just did was also kind yeah. of, it's usually just been five. Um, so maybe that yeah they take a little more attention to pushing him even you know a sixth day yeah. on the road. The problem is they don't have like it's not like okay great now we have to throw David Peterson for four innings or something which is right you know the 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 middle ground there uh if you had you know a little bit deeper of a rotation i'd feel much better about it shoot they should just go right to six you know like they could or six you know when quintana gets back maybe maybe we can uh yeah. you know throw a mcgill out there every now and then to give the rotation an extra day i don't know if you need to do a six-man rotation all the time but to do it at least you know now and then to just to push things along yeah, absolutely. I think it'd be, and also you got, you know, Berlander and Scherzer too. Like it helps everybody to push everybody back another day. I know Scherzer hates it, I'm pretty sure, <laughs> yeah. but look, like, <laughs> the man clearly needs more rest than he used to think, used to. So, not the worst idea in the world to try to push everybody along if you're, if they're healthy enough to do it. Obviously, you know, this is projecting out probably what another month. Yeah, he was throwing time, a bullpen session today at City Field, but they said basically he is still mm-hmm. like early spring training right now in terms of uh you know progress. So I'm gonna say that you may see him in the first or second week of July, but more than likely he'll probably join the rotation after the all star break. Yeah, might as well just hold yeah. him for another week. Yeah. Which is fine yeah. by me. That's that that's good. Yeah. I, I do hate the discourse about the mid season acquisition. Uh yeah. It was it was so fast too. The second they yeah, had a timeline, exactly. <laughs> it was the first thing out of either Bucks or Epler's mouth was it's gonna be like a midseason acquisition. Yeah. Um, we're not gonna talk about other midseason acquisitions yet because it is very early in the season still. Uh, but mm-hmm. it, it does 
it does bode well that as he is getting ready to go, the other starting pitchers are looking better. Um, of course, the one who's looking Carrasco. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, like Carlos Carrasco has had two phenomenal starts in a row now, and I know I'm, I'm part of the reason I'm very glad you're on the show is I have the world's biggest Carlos Carrasco fan <laughs> on the pod with me today. Um, how many days was he a Met before you got his jersey? Uh. Not Met. It was the day they were available. I called the Met shop to get one. I had to like, I had to physically call. You couldn't get one on the website. It was the day they had they announced that. Obviously, the big announcement was you can buy a Francisco Lindor jersey. And I was like, but I can also buy a Carrasco jersey, right? And I, uh, yeah, it was it was <laughs> wow. like December after the trade, so or whatever it was like days after. I guess it was. I think the so, trade yeah. was in January. Um. I remember I was going to Dick's Sporting Goods to return something from Christmas. So it was after Christmas. I was I remember exactly where I was when that trade happened. Um, but yeah, no, it was pretty much immediate. I was so nervous about wearing it. <laughs> but you time. did. I was there. I was there and I was wearing it. I was like, this could be terrible. And it wasn't. He's been, yeah, I don't know. He's the fastball has been much more consistent velo wise. He's been sitting at like 92 pretty much the whole time now because that was an issue and the changeup mm-hmm. looks a lot better spotting it a lot better um no it's great i mean he's also well regarded as like one of the good guys in baseball and to have that work out besides the fact that it's incredibly important that they have a right, good starter yeah. who's any good uh well not just really that i i think that he is one of the the more demonstrative pitchers in baseball in terms of when he's off he looks fucking miserable on the mound <laughs> He he just yep. looks like every pitch is a bother to throw, and uh, he's looked he has not looked that way in a couple of starts now. Yeah, and it's not been against you know chumps either. I mean, this was a that's a this is a good fit. least he the only guy who really hit anything hard off of him was Harper, and it was two singles. Mm-hmm. Okay, sure. And Edmundo Sosa hitting a very yes. weird home run, but <laughs> I kind of I kind of had memory hold by that Edmundo Sosa of all people, who I had not been paying attention to the lineup and thought was Gene Segura before I remembered that Gene Segura is in Miami. <laughs> um, just associate him with yes, being of course, a Philly forever, a frustrating Philly. But yeah, no, it's, it's yeah, it's it's looked a lot better the last two starts. You know, you know, know how long you're going to get consistent performance out of him, but. But it it works for now. But it works for now, right? Like that's that's yeah, important. I'll take it. Yeah, um, they need it. The further you can bridge towards like Quintana coming back and you being able to do a little more shuffling with your fifth spot in the rotation is yeah, especially cool. because Tyler McGill had a couple of good starts in April again. The April McGill is a real thing. The rest of the year McGill is not <laughs> yeah. so much, and uh, you know I. He's just not up to the snuff of the other pitchers. And part of that is that the Mets have a very good rotation outside of McGill. But it's also he just seems right. like he can't he can't throw for any length. I mean, at this point, I would rather see Lucchese out there than McGill, personally. But I know that's I know I'm probably in the minority yeah. there. He's he's a lefty. He has an interesting pitch that people don't aren't used to seeing. Um I get to post a lot of Sopranos memes, you know. Yeah, I mean my dad has decided that I'm a huge Lucchese <laughs> fan, and I came from. I mean, the guy. I do think it's fun to like say his name, but <laughs> I, I do love that, that your dad thinks you're a big Lucchese. Fan. <laughs> I think it's because I like the idea of the turf and just saying yeah. it and saying his name. Who, who doesn't? Who doesn't? That's, that's all fun stuff, right? And then of course he comes out and has you know seven strong innings in his first start. I'm like, oh yeah, no, fully in. I'm all in on this guy, and we're not going to talk about his other starts. Exactly. Um, I do think that that's a very like dad thing is just like to 
pick a player that they decide you are a big fan of. Mm-hmm. I, I remember my dad was a, I, we went to a game once and I was extolling the virtues of Super Joe McEwing <laughs> to, to date this game. And like for the rest of his career, my dad would refer to him as your guy. He's like, hey, did you see what your, your guy did last night? Like, yeah, we talked about him one time at a baseball game, but you know, just that's, <laughs> you know, just a dad thing, I guess. I, I look forward to doing that with my own kids. One of these I was going to say. <laughs> uh, right now, Ben just loves Pete Alonso, which is like, I can't. That's fair. I, 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 can't, I can't blame him for loving Pete Alonso, right? It's just, it's just the way it That's is. our guy. That's our Everybody. Guy. Exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to our friends at a pot of their own. They always pick their dudes at the beginning of the season. Yes. <laughs> so uh, I, I guess uh, Lucchese's your dude. Apparently. Yeah. I don't. Every time I've picked a dude, they've always been bad. And it usually starts as a, as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> most infamously i think sean reed foley <laughs> oh boy oh boy uh my dude at the start of the season was going to be daniel vogelback and that m- might be looking like a uh like a bad pick as well um Vogie just he's not hitting the ball right now he's uh he's walking still he's drawing a lot of walks but he's just not hitting the ball with any power or with any consistency um, he feels like he's swinging the bat even less now yes and I'm starting to wonder how much of this is a mental thing with him where he knows he's not hitting the ball particularly hard and he's just leaning too – he's being one too selective. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's already a very selective guy and that was kind of one of the things that was good about him was he was selective in only hitting things he could crush. Right. Um, but now that he's not even crushing anything, he's even being more choosy. It feels like he's striking out looking a lot more. Yes. Because um, guys know he's not going to swing really at anything. I mean I think it was last night. I think the first 11 pitches he saw, I didn't swing at. Now he walked twice, right? but he didn't even offer. I think one of those was a full count. I, uh, I, I really think that there's going to be a time when they're going to be talking about DFAing him. I think that's a mistake because I think that his skills are like, you know, there's a very old fashioned term of old player skills and young player skills and how young player skills go mm-hmm. away with time, but old player skills don't. And he has all the old right. player skills. Like he has a good eye. He hits her power, yes. all that. So that's a guy that theoretically should be able to stick around for a while. So I hope that they, mm-hmm. I don't know, Phantom IL him, do something to get him a chance to uh, to figure this out. Because I think patience is It kind of feels like with him, too. Yeah, it feels like with him that this thing always happens. Like in the second year, he's with a team for whatever reason. Like it's happened with him and the Brewers, I think. like Or the, I guess the Pirates, where it. The team just kind of gets over it. They're like, okay, we get it. And he kind of slumps for a bit, and they're like, look, this is not pleasant to every experience or whatever it is. And it feels like it happens like every other year where all of a sudden you're like, Bogovac's pretty good. Why is he not on the same team right. anymore? That's a really good point, actually. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know what to do with Vogie necessarily. Um, but, you know, it's it's been nice to see Marcana come out of his slump a little bit. Having a huge yeah. series against the Phillies, um, you were there last night. How how were the vibes when Canna hit that bomb? Oh my god, you you felt him come up, and everyone's like, "Ugh, Mark Canna, really? Like this has not been going well." And the pop when that went out was great. I mean, obviously the timing of it was fantastic, and you know, I, I it was actually a really good crowd last night too for a midweek game. I know they were giving away, you know, the Howie Rose bobblehead, and it's the mm-hmm. Phillies, but there was a big crowd there, and they were. Yeah, people all of a sudden the mood lifted very quickly because you know you've got a two run homer like ah oh, here comes another Carrasco start ah oh, the seven eight nine in this lineup is bad tonight and actually my dad my dad had texted me on my way to the game he's like oh dude, the seven eight nine is not going to do anything tonight and of course that's like the majority of the offense yeah. from yeah um, 
but yeah, no, it's it's great to see him come back around. Another one of these guys who's you know obviously a good guy, um, yes, and is huge for them if he does turn it around because they've had such inconsistent offense from the outfield outside of Nemo mm-hmm. um, that if he's more so like he was last year, uh, you know, gets up to fifteen homers and hits you know two seventy, it'd be huge. Oh, absolutely. Um, and again, like it, it's a we want to root for good vibe guys always. Mm-hmm. And there is no good vibe guy better than Mark Canna. Yeah. You know, tweeting out uh, happy pride month this morning to start the day. And, uh, you know, just being a foodie and being a guy who generally seems like a funny, good dude. And he was he was doing a uh, amazing foundation, like lunch for kids at a public school in New York City the day that yesterday afternoon. So the dude is involved. He is. He it's is. Cool. And uh, we need more guys like that in baseball yeah. in general. So we support Marcana. We stand him for sure. Ooh, Alvarez just stole that third strike. Yes, he did. Oh, yes, he did. Uh, speaking of Pride Month, Brooks Raley's pitching. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was going to let you make that joke. <laughs> uh, I am very interested in seeing what happens. <laughs> well, you, you, have, you, have no re- you have no responsibility. You can do whatever you want on this podcast. You can burn it to the ground for all you care, right? <laughs> um, but... Uh, I find it very interesting the Bucks going to the bullpen here, but I guess uh, you know when Drew Smith's a calling, you have yeah. to answer. I suppose. love to bring in Drew Smith with the tying run on at, uh, the plate. You know, yeah, definitely doesn't give up home runs with a little bit too much frequency. Nope, not at all. Uh, but we'll see. Uh, I am interested to see what Brooks really does on Pride Night. Yeah, if he's smart, he keeps his mouth shut. Well, you know. And he plays baseball. <laughs> so we'll see what happens. Yeah, no, it's not been. This has been. I hope he gets booed, frankly. Yes, even though he's been very good for the Mets as a pitcher. Right. I still hope he gets booed because uh, being a good pitcher means nothing if you're a piece of shit. He's so. the only Met I've ever booed in person when he I was there when he gave up the grand slam to the Nationals and I felt nothing bad about it. Oh. <laughs> I have I don't boo Mets players for negativity like negative performance because I think that's defeatist and bad and, you know, they play for your team. They're trying. Uh, but felt no recourse for that one. <laughs> no, I, no remorse whatsoever. I did boo Jose Reyes upon his return. That counts. I was not – I don't think I was in person for any Jose Reyes experiences. Okay. Um, I was at the David Wright retirement game Ooh. and people were doing the Jose, Jose, Jose chant. Yeah. And I literally shouted out, he beat his wife, you assholes. And uh, people in my section did not care for that. So I was uh, uh, cutting that dumb City Field video I made uh-huh. and trying to find shots of right where Jose Reyes was not in them was a struggle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No player will ever break my heart the way that Jose Reyes being a shithead broke my yeah. heart. Um, I used to joke when my wife was pregnant with our first child, I was joking that the name was either going to be David Wright Salvatore or Jose Reyes Salvatore. And uh, thank goodness we didn't go with that. And, uh, (laughs) you know, because I love that guy. Yeah, that was that was one of the more disappointing uh, experiences as a Mets fan. And And that's hard to really have those that much. It is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline.
With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. But speaking of things that are not disappointing, we can talk about Francisco Alvarez and how it looks like maybe finally they're not going to uh, send him down when... uh, when Narvaez returns, what are what are your thoughts on this? Now, I, I, look, before you get there, I, I do want to say two things. I want to say that this is entirely the Mets' fault because yes. they don't have to sign Omar Narvaez. In fact, there was no real reason to sign him, or there was no reason to extend Tomas Nito. Right. If they didn't do one of those things, this isn't an issue, but it is an issue now, and it seemed like they were pretty hell bent on sending down Alvarez when one of them. When both of them are back, rather. However, now it seems like, I mean, I know he hasn't had a hit in a couple of days, but it seems like Alvarez is firmly ensconced as this team's starting catcher, and there is really nothing they can do about that. Do you do you agree, or do you still fear that they're gonna, uh, you know, do everything they can to get him, uh, to get him down there? You know, I, I don't think they can logically do it anymore. I think they're open. I, mean, I know Chris Bryant's grievance didn't exactly work out. Um, but that whole thing stunk of send him down for whatever. I think it's like 13 more days he needs to be down to get the extra year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the Mets, frankly, didn't think he was going to be this good this year. Yep, agreed. And I get it. He's a, he's a 21-year-old catcher. That's why you extend Nito. That's why you sign Narvaez. Sure. I get it, I guess. Um, but, yeah, I don't think they could now. I think I think a lot of these the stories that were coming out um, were very clearly like some – like uh, public perception floats. <laughs> yes, when you're when you're telling Andy Martino that you're thinking about it, um, I think they're like, oh well, this went terribly. And then also, of course, he immediately starts going off. He's hitting these clutch homers. I think what these five of his eight homers now have either tied or given them the lead. Yep. Um, and he's obviously. I think the pitching staff obviously loves him. I mean, that quote that was very clearly from Max Scherzer about how the rotation loves him and that there'd be a riot if they sent him down. <laughs> that, yeah, um, I know that. I know that was an anonymous quote, but come on, Max. You, there's you got, no world. <laughs> you have to disguise your tone a little bit more than that. Like the only other person it could have been was Verlander, and Verlander's been with the major league team and like talking to Martino for you know conservatively three months, like at best. Yes, uh, Max Scherzer will, and also I think that's part of the you know. It could be service time manipulation stuff because Scherzer knows that he's you know very mm-hmm. involved in the players' union. Like he's going to be bulldogish on that stuff too. Um, but yeah, I think beyond the offense, which has always been great, and the power numbers are obviously you know what they are, and the homers are incredible to watch. They're ne- never cheap, which is great. Um, is the way he has handled the you know the rotation in the bullpen and he's been so much better defensively back there than we were all led to believe he would be. Yep. Um, his framing's fantastic. He's been good about running out. I know he did it, was it last night or two nights ago where he ran out because the pitch clock was running down. Um, I guess it was two nights ago. He didn't play last night. He ran out and, you know, made sure that there wasn't a pitch clock violation. Um, all these kinds of things that, you know, catching pop-ups with his mask on. His throwdowns could be better. I know he threw that one into left field today. Yeah. But there's been... But that some of that is he's twenty one. 
Yeah. And that's fine. I'd rather he learn that up here because he wasn't getting anything out of AAA anymore. It sure seemed like. Mm-hmm. And if the, I think he was, I am always hesitant to give the Mets credit, especially for self scouting. But when they were talking about, you know, keeping him down to work on his defense, I got that. You know, okay, he's a catcher. He's 21. It's not the worst thing in the world for him to, even if he's crushing at a level, to stay down there because his defense isn't great. But if you don't have that excuse anymore to do it. And I think, you know, he's got to stay. And, you know, maybe you eat Nito's mommy. Maybe, maybe you run three catchers, which I don't think is the worst thing in the world with the way their DH has gone this year. I would do that before I would, you know, send Alvarez back down. Yeah, I mean, if if to me, if any of those guys are going back down, it seems like Vientos is the guy to send yeah, back down. Yeah, and I think that's fine. I think that's probably warranted. I don't think he's, you know, if anything, he's not helping his trade viability by playing, you know, twice or three times a week and not looking particularly great while he's doing it. You need the RBI single today, but also the previous two pitches got gassed up on 94. Right. We should mention the Mets won the game in case someone has yes. somehow listened to this tomorrow and doesn't know the results of the Mets game <laughs> we were recording during. Um, but yes, the Mets won the game. One pitch, one out from Drew Smith. So thank, God. Uh, thank you, Drew Smith. But yeah, it's been um, it's been interesting to watch Alvarez come around. You know, I, I want to shout out Chris McShane here for a second. Chris went to a couple of uh, minor league games last year and early this season. And basically said that everybody was blowing Alvarez's defense out of proportion, that he's a much better defender than people are giving him credit for. And Chris was absolutely right. So, yeah, I'm very glad that he was right about that. It just seems like there is um, there is this wellspring of good vibes around him, both from the staff and from the fans. It just seems really transparent and really shitty if they send them down after this. I thought it was pretty funny that even Andy Martino, of all people, wrote a second column, and this one he was very explicit, was an opinion saying that it'd be a terrible idea to send him down. He was getting so much heat that people thought he was the one suggesting that they should send him down that he made it very clear that he also (laughs) thought it was a bad idea. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, That's... uh... When Andy Martino is the one to, uh, you know, have a uh, a nuanced take, you know, things are getting weird. Right. And I think, you know, I think that was the learning point for a lot of Mets Twitter that uh, Martino gets things from the team and then reports them very uncritically sometimes, mm-hmm. if not the majority of the time. <laughs> uh, and finding that out, I think, was good for some people to do a little media literacy about, hey, who does Andy Martino talk to? Right. And uh, we can all answer that question now. Yes. <laughs> Even if you had some <laughs> doubts before. before. Yeah. If you couldn't before, he's talking to like one person in the front office. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and uh, he used to have uh, a lot more front office support, but then the front yes. office changed. And, uh, you know, here we are, which is good. Yeah. It's good. We should not be relying on Andy Martino for anything. Nope. Um, any big thoughts about the Blue Jays series? Um. Facing Chris Bassett is interesting. I this the way his tenure as a Met ended was kind of weird, where he, to the point where I didn't feel that upset that he didn't come back. And I'm not usually a you know oh this guy hates New York he shouldn't be here, can't handle it kind of guy. But he kind of clearly soured on pitching in New York when he wasn't pitching well. Yes. Um. So that'll be interesting. Um. 
they were talking about it on the broadcast today about how they have this reputation as being, you know, big power bats and all this stuff, but they've been very kind of average, both offensively and pitching wise this year. Um, so I would like for the Mets to take advantage of having swept the Phillies and who I think are probably a better team overall um, at their fullest. You know, obviously the Phillies are dealing with a lot of injuries, but they should beat the Blue Jays. Like this is not a team that's not beatable. They're facing the better part of their rotation, um, but they've been hitting better as well. <laughs> they've had right. a little more time. They only had four hits today, but drove for runs out of it. They had obviously a great series in cores. The bats just look a little more lively. And you've got Verlander tomorrow, and hopefully it was just a coursing. And you can instead kind of like get on a little of a streak here because they need one, just vibes wise. You know, it's a long season. They're, I think they're what, two games back now, three games back? I, I, I don't know. I think they're three and a half. All right, the Braves will play tonight. I'm yeah, sure. the Braves will play tonight. Exactly. Yeah. So we'll see. But I was I was talking about this on the Daily Podcast today that if the Mets have a good series, they're going to be like within three games of the Braves and the, when they go to Atlanta next week. Yeah, and if if they can have a good series in Atlanta, then that that's really good because the Mets have a tougher road after Atlanta than the Braves do. The Braves have a very easy like rest of June schedule wise, so this is the time to make the jump. Well, the Braves might get swept by the A's though, so that's kind of fun. Oh, that'd be great. <laughs> yeah, I just that that Braves series is going to give me a heart attack. I just not yep. pleasant. <laughs> after last year especially yeah um, but I, I do i do feel better about where the mets are right yes. now than i do about where the braves are right now so yeah i think there was a uh early and this was you know a couple weeks ago but the braves or the mets are roughly right now where the braves were last year i mean this is i don't think uh, the mets aren't gonna win 100 games probably but i also don't necessarily know if the braves are they've been on fire basically since july of last year mm-hmm. um i think it's been our good friend dave has been pointing out just kind of what their record has been over 162 games just going back into last season and it's like 115 or something yeah and, it's crazy but you know that should in theory fade at some point um so we'll see but yeah i i feel less defeatist about that upcoming series especially if they do you know take two or three from toronto um than i would have two weeks ago Mm-hmm. maybe this things click things are clicking a little better the rotation is kind of driving a lot of that but you know Beatty's not slumping as hard as he was canna being alive would be helpful <laughs> yes even Marte has, has still not been great but Marte has been more presentably not terrible I would like to think that if canna is for real like he you know maybe finishes out the week strong that they can then finally find time to vent Marte yes he doesn't look healthy. I just think I and I don't like to speculate on that stuff, but he's like not running stuff out as much as he used to. Really hasn't since the beginning of the year. And I just wonder whether it's the neck still lingering with issues from that, or if it's just, you know, the man had two groin surgeries this offseason. He's just probably not in great shape currently. And if you can trust Canna out there a little bit for even a week or ten days, it'd feel a lot better about things. Yeah, I don't know. I, I guess at that point you probably you probably play McNeil and left. Yeah, and maybe you send down Vientos and bring back up Guillaume. Yeah, that was my thinking. I mean, I guess if you're using the IL spot, you could just bring up Guillaume from the jump. Maybe that's true. Yeah, and then you know, I think they've kind of hit on the secret sauce here with Escobar playing less and less. I mean, he's. I think 
the level he's at now is probably he shouldn't be playing more than this. I don't I wouldn't right. be that concerned about him like eating away Beatty's playing time or you know, I think this level of usage is probably about right for him these days. And it's been working. I don't know if it, they would run us through with that too much. I wonder if you even get ballsy and call it Mauricio to play second. I don't know if they want to start the clock, I guess, would be the issue. Yeah. With him. And at the same thing, I don't I don't know what to think about Mauricio anymore. <laughs> I the he the other thing I forget who was saying it. I think it might have been I was talking with uh other friend of the pod, Jeffrey mentioned it. Um that fielding percentage doesn't, you know, doesn't largely matter, I don't think, but that number should start with a nine. Yes. And I think his starts with an eight. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think he's had six errors at second so far this season already, and he's only played like 30-something games there, maybe 40. Um, so, you know, not ideal, especially when your options beyond that defensively are McNeil, who probably should be a gold glove contender, and Guillaume, who was robbed of gold glove contention for the award, functionally created for him. For him, exactly, yes. Um. So but yeah, the bat might be real. So who knows? Yeah, who knows? It's just. You know. <laughs> oh, I would say also if you send Vientos down, then you can also DH him a little bit. Yeah, I don't know. I'd like to do that more than I would. You know, I don't want to give him like straight off the bat playing time at second, and Lindor doesn't sit, so right, it's not going to come ever. <laughs> I mean, the other thing is just this: he is still very young. Yeah, and he he can he can use the year in AAA. We don't have to call up every prospect ASAP. And he's more likely, I think to be somebody who, if they do bring him up, that actually hurts his trade value. I don't know how much trade value Mark Vientos has these days. Um, I think the book was kind of out on him already. Yes. Um, but Mauricio seems to have changed something, and his pitch recognition or whatever it is has gotten so much better in the minors that if you kind of keep him down there for a little bit longer, you can say it's because of his age. You don't really have the spot. Um, but it, maybe it's because you don't believe he can reproduce that at the major league level or whatever. But Right when you're a team that is going to very clearly need things at the deadline and he doesn't necessarily solve your problem. I think it'd be good to bring him up but at the same time. I don't want to put all the pressure on this kid. To, yeah. <laughs> in the same way that you feel that with Beatty and Alvarez, um, let him, you know, continue to cook. <laughs> yeah. Let's do it. Right. Let him, let him cook and then let him cook in, I don't know, Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I am, I am not ready yet to talk about who they're going to get for him. Um, not me either. But we'll see. Chicago seems like as as likely a spot as anywhere. Either of those yeah. teams actually are probably going to be selling. Passon's so. article today was just like, yeah, I think the White Sox are going to sell even if they're good. <laughs> well, the White Sox ownership is is terrible. So Passon called him like the king, uh, Reinsdorf, the king of half measures today. <laughs> <laughs> He's not wrong. He's not wrong. This is usually it's always funny when source guy Jeff Passon drops one of those. It's always funny. <laughs> it is. Um. All right, well, we're at the point of the show. We talk about music. Jack, what is your music recommendation for this week? Uh, if anyone has paid it, like a, the tiniest sliver of attention to my experience online, they know I'm a huge mark for Boy Genius. Um, their new rec- album, The Record, came out a couple months ago now. Um, I said to you, Prime, before we started, I've listened to it at least twice today. Um, seeing them at Forest Hills and that weird reset mini festival thing a couple weeks, uh, so I'm getting back on track with listening to it. Uh, just... Three of them being Phoebe Bridgers, Lucy Davis, Julian Baker, as you know, but maybe not wider. I was surprised that they're less popular than I think they are because everyone I know listens to them, but then you look at their Spotify monthlies and I think Julian Baker is less than a million or whatever. Um, but incredible songwriters, I think their harmonies work fantastically together and they show that off a lot on this album. Um, 
And yeah, I would highly recommend it. It's quick too. It's a tight like 35 minutes at most, I think. Um, so yeah, that would be my music selection for sure. For those who, who aren't familiar with Boy Genius, would you suggest they start with the EP or jump yes. right into the record? I think the EP is, I mean, the record's fantastic. Uh, the EP is only six songs and does the same thing where it really shows them off. Um, with the six songs, there's three that they wrote together and three that are individually. Um, that was kind of how I also backed into being fans of the three of them individually. Sure. So if you're maybe not a huge fan of, you know, you, Phoebe Bridgers is the one who always gets pushed a lot being on tour with Taylor Swift. If you've been like, I don't really like her individual music, um, I wouldn't write off Boy Genius on that anyway. Um, the influences of the other three of the other two um, kind of blends in a very lovely way. Yeah, I, I think that's a that's a really good call. Um, they are going. They're one of those things you said, like you know, they're not as popular as you thought because everyone you know is listening to them. Yes, uh, I, I have had that experience so many times where, and I think Boy, Boy Genius to me is actually kind of the opposite of that, where I feel like in some ways I. I thought it was just like, oh, this is music that my friends like, but isn't like a huge uh, thing. And then you see they're playing Forest Hill Stadium. Like, oh, yeah. no, they're playing the venue that Paul Simon plays when he tours now. So, you know, uh, it's a little bit different. But but yeah. Um, all right. So for my pick, I, I'm going as as tends to be my want uh, on, in this podcast lately. I'm going back to the 90s, Jack. What year were you born? <laughs> do you want me to tell you? For I sure? do. It might, it, might, it might involve this album. So 97. Okay, this album uh, this album was released when you were negative six years old. Oh, good. Uh, but it has a real, it, but it has a connection to you that you don't even know about. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, there is a singer songwriter named Matthew Sweet who writes incredible power pop songs, and he had a run of like five fantastic studio albums in the '90s that were each better than the last. But what he did that is very different than the artists of his time was he used incredible session musicians instead of using a, a like a regular band uh, that he would tour with when he when he recorded and so um on the album I'm talking about which is called Girlfriend from 1991 he had uh four different people sharing lead guitar responsibilities on this album Jeez. Uh, one of them was Ivan Julian, who is a punk mainstay. He was in, uh, he was actually uh, was with the Clash for a short period of time, but he was he's played with uh, Richard Hell and the Voidoids, the Bongos, uh, even the Isley Brothers. Like it's a, <laughs> like a very strange uh, lineup. Um, Famous punk mainstays, the Isley Brothers. Exactly. Yes. Uh, uh, Lloyd Cole, who has a band Lloyd Cole and the Commotions, who is a, an incredible guitar player and an incredible singer songwriter. He plays guitar on the record. But the two that are really of note, one of them is Robert Quine, who died in 2004. But he played with um, Lou Reed, Brian Eno, Tom Waits, like this, just an incredible session Jeez. guy. But here is the Jack connection. Oh, Richard Lloyd of Television plays lead guitar on like there half this album. And I know I, I know you're you're a Richard Lloyd you're a television guy. Yes, I'm looking at my coaster of marquee moves currently. Actually, <laughs> yeah. So he plays guitar on th lead guitar on three of the tracks, including okay. uh, including the first two songs. And uh, the guitar play these songs are all like really great pop, you know, power pop singer songwriter songs. But the guitar solos are fucking insane, and. It is so fun to be listening to a song that just sounds like a, a relatively like straightforward pop song, 
and then you get these insane electric guitar solos. Um, not on this album, on the, on an album later in, in his career, he did a, a song called Sick of Myself, which is my favorite Matthew Sweet song by far. And Rob Richard Lloyd's guitar solo just like melts your face off in the middle of that song. <laughs> and so th- th- this combines two things I love, which is like succinct pop songwriting and batshit guitar solos. Hell and yeah. so if those things sound good to you, Girlfriend by Matthew Sweet is the record you should be listening to this week and really every week because it's very, very good. They uh, do, and I will be when we're done. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. All right. Uh, start Actually, before you listen to that album, just listen to Sick of Myself, that okay. one song, uh, because that is the best song he ever wrote. And Richard Lloyd's guitar solo was just – and it, it also does – I'm not going to tell you what it does. It does something at the end of the song that I love when songs do, but I'm not okay. going to spoil it for you. Does it, I would be spoiling it. Anyway, thank you, Jack, for uh, for pitch hitting today for Chris. Uh, where can folks find you on the internet? Uh, JF McClooney on Twitter is your best bet. Uh, no longer the proud holder of a blue check because it wouldn't be a proud thing anymore. <laughs> but that is the best place to find me. Uh, I'm surprised you didn't go with the blue check. It seems like such a good decision. <laughs> you know, I I don't have we just talked about. I don't have a job. I don't have eight dollars to spend on a thing I don't want to spend it on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, to be fair. I could think of literally millions of things to spend eight dollars on that are better. I'm using part of that money to uh, be a member of the Patreon for Homer and Applesauce because that's what you should be doing with your money instead. There we go. Look at that. Uh, I, I appreciate that plug. Go to homerandapplesauce.com or Patreon.com/slash Homer and Applesauce. Uh, I have. We have a very fun bonus pod, Jack, coming up that oh, I yeah. may invite you to be a part of. If you're if you're if you're in for it. I'm, again, professional podcast guest. Well, so he, here's the here's I'll the question. Do I do I put this tease out there to get people to subscribe to the Patreon, or will that just be a cool hmm. Patreon surprise? That's a good question. I don't know. I think it's up to you. I can't make business. Let, 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 let's you. tease it. I'm going to ask every member of Home Run Applesauce what their walk up music would be if they were a Met. Ooh, love that. So that that'll be, be a fun. we got that suggestion from a listener. So thank you. Uh, You'll, you'll be properly shouted out on the podcast. Thank you. Um, but yeah, uh, I'm on Twitter at Brian Intonap. Jack already gave you his socials. And uh, until next time, let's go Mets.